G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 161 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Now I have today with me a gentleman by the name of Farron Ray. Farron was a very good AFL player, played for the Bulldogs, uh, played for St Kilda, and ended up uh, playing at North Melbourne just a year to finish his career, 2016 I think it was, a couple of hundred games, high draft pick, um, was at the Bulldogs when they were quite successful, and obviously St Kilda when they sort of got close to winning a flag a couple of times, so um, we're going to, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we're going to hear all about that, and uh, you know, the, the, the highs and lows of uh, of that particular season, but also the highs of life, highs and lows of footy life and, uh, and all around it. So, um, yeah, Farron's actually um, uh, now moved on to a career in the health food space. So I'm really keen to talk to him about that and obviously, um, you know, good nutrition and what that can do for our physical and mental well-being and his passion around that. So um, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat and a really, um, you know, insightful uh, young fella um, that can uh, really give us lots of wisdom with regards to looking ourselves after ourselves a bit better. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy the chat. Just want to make special mention to uh, Green Nutritionals who support the podcast. So if you are lacking something in your diet or particular some greens, or in particular some greens, um, they provide green organic superfoods, which are sourced from the best places around the world, purely organic and uh, really profound stuff. So... Uh, available at uh, all good health food stores throughout Australia and also online. So please check out their website and support them if you can, greennutritionals.com.au. Appreciate your feedback uh, on this chat with Farron and I. If you'd like to email me, uh, support at outbackmind.com.au. G'day, Farron. How are you, mate? I'm good, Aaron. How are you? Right, very well. Thanks very much for joining me. Um, really grateful to have you along. Um, being a Bulldog supporter... I was pretty disappointed when you left, but um, but uh, I can see the reasons why, mate. So uh, yeah, um, really really grateful to have uh, have you on. And um, yeah, I don't think I actually told you that I buried for the Bulldogs, but um, but yeah, I, uh, I I I did by the default when my grandmother gave me a jumper when I was a little fella because she liked the colours, and I sort of struggled uh, most of my life, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, it was only the last few years that uh, I've had a bit of glory, which is good. So um, appreciate your time there, mate. And um, thanks for joining us. Just was really keen to get you on to have a chat about, um, you know, your, your footy career and also, you know, obviously your, your post-career stuff. And um, be good to get a bit of an idea of your background sort of from, from WA. I think you were from, from Mandurah or out that way somewhere and um, how sort of footy sort of, you know, come into your life as a young fella. Yeah, so firstly, uh, Aaron, thanks for having me on. Thanks for reaching out. It's always nice when, when people reach out and they want to chat about um, what you're doing or your past uh, career. So, um, and thanks for, the, thanks for the kind words about the Bulldogs, mate. When I left, I thought I had to make the tough decision of, of leaving. There was, uh, there was a lot of running players at the Bulldogs. So um, there was an abundance of, of, of running players so, and St Kilda. St Kilda needed one at the time, so I made the made the move there. But I, I honestly thought most of the Bulldog fans um, used to hate me back in the day when I left. So it's I, I, nice to hear that there's a couple out there. No, <laughs> I thought it might have been because Akev might have been giving you the shits. Uh, he was 
he was um, he was giving a lot of people the, the, the shits. Not so much <laughs> me. I was pretty young. I had a lot of <laughs> lot of admiration for him, and I yeah. you know he was obviously a fantastic player. I think I only had about a year with Aka, but he was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was an interesting interesting guy. But no, on the on back onto the yes, yeah, so I'm originally from uh, my hometown was Mandurah, a little little town just inland of there called North Dandelup, but I spent most of my time at Mandurah. Um, and yeah, it was good growing up there. And um, yeah, I got drafted at 17, made the big move to Melbourne and uh, five years at the Bulldogs and then and then played at the Saints. Uh, and then I had a, a year at um, North Melbourne to finish with. But um, yeah, very fortunate to play 13 years in the AFL and then footy was good to me. Mate, um, what was it like for you, like being a young fella, like from the bush and then having to travel all the way across the country to, to play? Were you hoping to stay in Western Australia or you went too fast? I was, but with the way that the AFL draft is, you know, you, you're, um, you, you're nominated for the draft and you can go anywhere. So, and I knew that the first, I knew that I was probably going to go in the, in the top 10 um, and every every top 10 all the top 10 picks were melbourne based teams so i knew that i knew that i was probably heading to melbourne i did actually want to stay in wa i even wanted to go to south australia because it was close to the wa yeah but um it was tough you know to answer your question it was it was tough as a 17 year old i got drafted a lot of from south australia he was a he was a pretty laid back kid just like me so we got along really well that made it easier but Geez, I was homesick the first couple of years. Whenever we got a chance to go back, um, Coons got back to South Australia and I, I got back to WA. So certainly tough early days. Mm, I think he did struggle, didn't he, from memory, sort of, you know, to sort of settle in. He was a number one draft pick, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was a number one pick. I was I was pick four. So he, he certainly took he took most of that limelight, which mm. I had no problem with. But Coons... <laughs> Coons in terms of his first year, they, they kept playing him, but he, he took a bit to get going, Coons, and then once he once he found his rhythm, he, he definitely came on. Um, mm. But yeah, it was a good draft alongside because we had a lot in common. Mm, yeah, mate. No, I, there's been been a lot of guys on this podcast that have travelled across the country, and we'll talk about the mental health stuff a bit later, but you know, going into an environment like that, what, who were some of the players that you sort of walked into at the Bulldogs, which were probably, um, uh, you know, established, and how did they sort of treat you uh, when you when you rocked up there? Well, you know, when you when you get drafted, most other players, or well, every other player that, that, that is at the list, they've gone through exactly what you've gone through. So there's a mm. there's a, a mutual respect there, or a, you know, a nurturing. Everyone's everyone's been through it, so very supportive environment and. AFL clubs wrap their their arms around you. So especially when you're a first round pick, you know you're young. I mean, I, I moved in with a host family and down in Williamstown there, which is um, as you probably know, Melbourne. Williamstown's a great area, so I couldn't complain too much about it. But I had a funny story. I had a, uh, a fair initiation. So I had, when I got drafted, um, my mum had told the Western Bulldogs that I was going to schoolies for a week, and then I was coming to training. And so, which we, we just didn't know anything about. We, we had no idea. I had no idea that that was frowned upon. So I got drafted, got a call from Scott Clayton at the Western Bulldogs. Congratulations. And I was supposed to get drafted at the time, but I didn't go. Mm. And then the club calls me, congratulations, Bulldogs. And then I headed to schoolies that day, which is quite extraordinary these days. And then, and then I then um, 
school is finished on Friday. I moved to Melbourne on Sunday and I stayed at Mitch Hahn's place. I slept on his couch. Jeez. And then, and then, so that's the schoolie story. And then straight into, we were at Witten Oval, um, the old Witten Oval back in the day, Monday morning um, to go on a training camp where there at six o'clock in the morning. And I get picked up in a in a maxi taxi. It's pitch black by a whole bunch of bulldog players. I had no idea who they were, and um, and uh, we rock up to the club, and we're told that we're going on a um, a training camp. Uh, we talked to told to bring surfboards, golf clubs, um, and sure enough, these soldiers walk in. Oh. They said, "Get rid of the golf clubs." get rid of your surfboards, pack your bags in 15 minutes, and the next three days was torture. We got woken up by gunfire. We had to make our own tents. We had to carry rocks. We had to we, – we, we, we were nameless. We were called – we had to go by um, – I was red 10. There was different colours. There was green, blue, red. I was in the red team, and I was red 10. We didn't call each other by name. <laughs> it was just – the most bizarre, the most, uh, Scott West said it's the hardest thing he's ever done, and that was my first day. So it was a fair initiation. Bloody oath. Unbelievable, yeah. mate. So, so did you just want to go home after that, or what, what, did, you, what did you actually like think uh, as a young fellow, like getting into that environment? Did you lap it up, or did you, um, did you think, I'm out of here? Well, I... I I've always sort of hit things head on, but I was, I was, geez, is it going to be like this every day? I remember, that's when I first met Coon, so Adam Cooney there, and I remember we were, we were marching on this bush track in this straight, two straight lines, and we were exhausted. We're probably three days in, and I remember looking over at Coons. Coons back in the day had the red, long hair, the weirdest looking you've ever seen. He did the whole camp. In these Dunlop volleys, <laughs> I remember looking oh. over. This random bloke's got these Dunlop volleys on, but uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just an amazing camp. Was that up at Puckapunyal or somewhere? It was. It was. It, it could be Puckapunyal. It was out. It was out at Mount Disappointment. I don't know if you saw on the news lately, but unfortunately, there was this helicopter crash mm. um, in in Melbourne. I'm not sure if you saw. That was in, that was in Mount Mount Disappointment. So it's. Mm. I think that is maybe Puckapunyal. I could be wrong, but yeah, it was called Mount Disappointment and lived up to its name. <laughs> That's true, mate. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus. Well, well there, no, look, firstly, congratulations for getting through that. But, um, but mate, uh, you know, honestly, like to have the level of discipline as a young fellow that you did is, um, is you know, very unique, uh, you know, um, and uh, to be able to sort of move through and then sort of become a senior footballer, um, you know, that grounding probably would have been pretty, um, pretty unique for you as an individual because basically it's uh, it set you up and you've probably been able to uh, develop some camaraderie with the rest of the team pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, mate, you can imagine what it was like if you did go and play golf and, um, and surf, you would have been pretty loose. But I think that discipline probably was a good, uh, good way to start it. It was, yeah. It certainly toughened me up early on, but it was a real, it was a real, uh, uh, excuse me, sorry, uh, a real mental, mental battle. The whole camp, and we had three days of torture, and then we had two days of rock climbing. That was the fun bit. But mm. we had been told, um, we had been told that um, so Friday night we had 
we have, hang on, mate. Sorry, two seconds. I think my AirPods have gone out. I'll just use the phone. Two seconds. You're right. <laughs> Got ya. Sorry, mate. You there? <laughs> Got ya, yeah. Yeah, going sorry, my AirPods went flat. But no, we, yeah. we've been told that uh, Friday night we had dinner back in the city as a team with the Victoria Police Commissioner because they're the ones that ran the camp. Mm. Um, this special operations group, but we were told that we were going back out on Saturday, Sunday to, to continue the camp. But what we didn't know was the camp had ended. So it was a real mental mental games they played with us as well. But no, mm. certainly toughened me up early on in my career. Who was the senior coach at the time? So Peter Rode was the um, senior coach. So he was he was only there for a couple of years, and he was he was um, the fitness guy before mm. that. So. Mm. He ended up being elevated to to the head coach, but yeah, he he got he unfortunately got sacked the, the end of that year, so my first year. Mm, yeah, and I think Rodney, <clears throat> pardon me, Rodney Ead come in then. Is that right? Yeah, the yeah. Rodney Rocket he, he definitely came in. That's <laughs> <for sure. laughs> How was it? No, Rocket was Rocket's a tactical genius, very good coach. Rocket, I have to admit, he taught me a lot. Yeah. He taught me, um, he gave me a lot of good run with roles early days, you know, because I was a running player on the wing. I used to play on, I used to not not tag, but I used to do run with roles on, you know, Chance Bateman and Heath Black and mm. um, even my ex teammate now, Joey, Joey Montagna. I played mm. on Boomer Harvey. Boomer Harvey got three votes each time I played on him. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he t- taught, taught me a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, he was. Had a lot of success at the club, and you wouldn't have known that Heath Black was probably uh, Heath Black was probably hung over while you were running around with him, but he was still doing all right. So uh, Heath and I have had a few good chats, and he's been on this podcast and told me about some of the stuff that he used to get up to, mate. Unbelievable! Yeah, he still did. Yeah, mate. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he came and spoke to us because obviously when I went to the Saints, he he uh, he played there, so he came and spoke to us one time. So yeah, certainly aware of. Of everything that he went through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. No. Certainly good that he's come out the other side of it, that's for sure. But, um, mate, um, with regards to the Bulldogs there, so you, you had a bit of a successful period and um, uh, they sort of nearly made it in 2007, 2008, but didn't quite get there. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was, it, it was great. I mean, you know, the footy was different back then. I mean, Rocket came in. Rocket came in and he's, he's very, very, like I said, very good tactical coach, Rocket. So he came in. Uh, some coaches are pretty sort of, no, I'm going to coach this way, regardless of what the list is or, no, I just want to coach this way. Whereas I think Rocket came in, identified what we had, mm. and we had a very fast, running, skillful team. So he came in and, and um, so, all right, let, let's do it. Let's, let's play on. Let's, let's attack the game. Let's use our ball, uh, our skills and all that. And, you know, we had some... We had Lindsay Gilby, Geordie McMahon, we had Gia, we had Nathan mm. Eagleton, a lot of good running players, Ryan Griffin, mm. um, and but probably didn't get enough respect for the, the pressure and that that we used to apply on the team, very big on frontal pressure and coming forward and all that. But, mm. yeah, like 2006, we played some really exciting footy. We, we beat Collingwood the first knockout final um, uh, in front of like 85,000. That was sort of our first taste of... Well, that was sort of my taste of finals footy, which was great. But, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was disappointing. I didn't play in the 2008 uh, prelim um, that, they, that they made. I ended up leaving the next year. Um, 
But, yeah, we certainly played a lot of good footy. And then when I moved to the Saints, then we played we played against the Bulldogs in, in, in prelims as well. So there was a good rivalry there. Incredible, mate. And you did cop a bit of shit from the Footscray um, supporters, I remember, back then uh, primarily. And um, you settled into the into the, uh, the structure at St Kilda pretty well? Yeah, it's sort of, you know, like I said, the Bulldogs had an abundance of running players and St Kilda needed one. So I remember sitting down with Leon Cameron, was my midfield coach at the time, and I sat down with him end of 2008 and we identified St Kilda as... Is probably the good, a good team to go to, and that's how it mm. that's how it came about. But um, yeah, Ross Ross was great. Ross just played me on the wing, let me play, let me run, um, and yeah, just found found a role there. And you know, I was a real role player because I mean, we had some stars in that team. You had mm. Hayes, Goddard, Del Sano, Montagna, Clint Jones, Tagger. Mm. So I was just happy. Jason Graham was a gun. So I was just happy to sort of slot in and, and play my role. And that's what that St Kilda team did. I mean, we were such a good side. We just, everyone just played their role. Mm, you forgot about Brett Peake. Peakey, Peakey <laughs> as well, when he came to the club. Yeah, he was, he was valuable for us. <laughs> that's it. He's, uh, he's been on an adiactomy on this too, mate. But uh, yeah, never forget Brett, that's for sure. And um, some of the stories that he was saying about the, his time there, he actually really loved it. You know, he just sort of, Fitted in and, and cruised along really well, and <clears throat> the support yeah, was, was really good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. The boys, the boys loved him, and he just came and slotted in, um, played his role. You know that wing sort of half forward role. He ran better than better than most. So, mm. but yeah, I remember playing the the Bulldogs a couple of times, and you know, as the pass play, you you get booed, but. Um, you know, that's that's how it goes. Yeah, that's it, mate. You can't do much about that. But anyway, nah. except for feel sorry for the people that are going. But, um, mate, <laughs> uh, so so you, I was curious, like, when when was the 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 the, the draw? Was that while while you were playing, or was that after you'd uh, you moved on? The grand, the, the grand, draw grand final. The, yeah, the draw and grand final. Yeah, so that was when I was at the Saints. So that was the. Um, the 2010 draw, so that was my second year at the Saints. Mm, and you played in that? I, I just I couldn't remember, that's all, but you, you actually yeah, played that? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I had to um, I had to tag Dane Swan in the second half, so it was, you know, what if, or sorry, you know, there was a, f- a few things that that happened, and, you know, we, we nearly got there, a bad bounce, a bloody mm. screamer by BJ. They go down and kick a goal straight afterwards. But, yeah, mm. I uh, had to tag Dane Swan in the second half. Mm. Interesting, mate. And, and obviously, uh, coming back and doing it again the following week, um, you uh, – I've never really sort of dived into this with anyone, but um, – was was it like was the momentum still there? Um, you know, a week uh, a week out to do it again, or did you sort of like have a bit of a flat period, like as individuals, to try and keep yourselves up at all? Or? No, it was we we threw everything we had pretty much as it, as it played out. I think we threw everything we had at them um, mm. the week before, but that the replay mentally was one of the hardest things like I said mentally that I mm. that we did you know that training camp that I went on when I was young mm. that was tough but mentally to, you know you've got to understand a grand final any, any grand final is hard you throw everything you've got mm. but then 
put on that an AFL grand final, you literally to get that close, mm. and then and then um, to have to back up and do it again. But the funny thing was in the replay, there was we had some shocking shots on goal, and there was a there was a phase in maybe the first or the second quarter that we were almost back in it, and then mm. I remember there was like a three or four goal turnaround with with that famous smother, and then it went back to the. Went back to the centre, they kick another goal, and then I think another goal. And then I was mm. like, oh, well, there's the game's done. Yeah, yeah. Mate, it would have been like, you know, a lot of anxiety in that week, I would have thought, you know, like a lot of sleepless nights and that building up to it and, and doing it again and a lot of the game being played in your mind before it. How, as a young fellow, did you manage that period? Well, I mean, luckily, what was it, 2010, I was 23. 24, 25. So if I was eighteen years of age, mm. it would have been it would have been really tough. But around around that time, I started sort of realizing how much footy's played above the shoulders. Yeah. So, but nothing nothing can prepare you for that to back up. You know, two weeks in a row playing in an AFL grand final, it's it's pretty intense. I know one person who loved it was my mum. She came over from <laughs> Perth, yeah. and she got two weeks in. She thought it was fabulous. Two weeks in Melbourne, she had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, mate. I was just thinking that while you were saying that, like maybe Collingwood were a little bit more mature. Like they had Nathan Buckley there, possibly in a few of them, and they they might have might, might have prepared a little bit differently. I, I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? The way they sort of you know come at you the following week. Well, we we were the we were actually the more mature team. So they were Collingwood. Collingwood were quite um, quite young. They had, you know, Sidebottom, mm. uh, Thomas, Wellingham. They had a lot of young players coming through, so they were actually um, a younger list than us, which I think helped them. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I hear stories of uh, that, that maybe um, Malthouse, Collingwood coach Mick Malthouse heard stories that we were asking to play the game on Sunday. So... He, he assumed that we were, we were sore, mm. the older boys, so what he did, I heard that um, they might have trained him hard. Mulhouse trained him hard that week. So, mm. I don't know, you hear stories of, of that, if that's true or not. But, you know, I think we were back in the game. But if it wasn't for you know, a few behinds that um, we sort of missed and then the game was just gone, they just ran over the top of us. Yeah, mate. It's interesting. Um, if you had your time again with regards to that, would you would rather extra time you played or go back and play it the following week <clears throat> no extra time definitely extra time yeah yeah i mean and then a lot of people say that well oh, look extra time saints would have won but yeah. how can you say that you can't yeah you can't you can't really say that you don't know what would have happened so yeah. but i just i remember when this <clears throat> i remember when the siren went it was a strange feeling i remember looking at the crowd and they're just staring at us yeah we're just sort of staring back at each other Mm, yeah, and lots of uh, emotion in that with St Kilda, you know, only winning one flag and, and so much, uh, you know, hope within those individuals to be able to see another one, you know, and obviously Collingwood had uh, not won one for a long time, so there's a lot of emotion uh, and, uh, and, and, and tension involved in those games, so I remember watching them on TV, but um, yeah, certainly, mate, uh, you know, that, that will be experiences that you'll never forget, I would have thought. And how did you move on from that with regards to going into the next season and, and the rest of your career at St Kilda? Oh, we, I know, I mean, fast, sorry, rewind a, 
the year before that, 2009, the 09 one, that's the one that hurt the most because we were the best team all year and we, we won 19 straight. So we were sort of we were sort of ready for finals after bloody round 13, 14. We were sort of sitting ducks, to be honest. So um, that's the one that hurt the most. But I remember the start of pre-season 2010, Rossi, our coach, Ross Lyon, he, he made us watch this tape. It's like a season launch for the 2010 season and it was it was literally a video of the 2009 grand final and i remember i remember we sat down and we watched it all and it was pretty confronting to the boys because it was us obviously losing to the cats mm. so that was sort of you know showing us all right well we've got to watch this and then move on and then and then as it turns out we played some really good footy in 2010 we were we were going pretty well and then collingwood were probably the best team all year that year so mm. you know we lost to geelong we were the best team in 09 collingwood almost lost to us mm. and then funnily enough the western bulldogs should have played in the grand final in 09 prelim because they were the better team against us and then rewalk toe pokes that ball so yeah. you know anything could happen yeah incredible mate from from those two experiences do you still have some close mates from the bulldogs and and uh some kilda yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you make you make wonderful friendships and connections with a lot of guys. You drift apart, obviously, with yeah. with a lot of other guys. You know, they they're just sort of work work colleagues and all that. But yeah, I've got a I've got a good bulldog WhatsApp going, and um, like I said, I'm up in Sydney for a, f- a few months, probably to the end of the year. So I'm trying to get the the, the the bulldog boys up here end of season for a, for a weekend. So they're pretty keen, and then. Mm. Um, the Saints boys that played in those grannies, we have a, a prelim catch-up each year, but COVID's, COVID's stopped that the last couple of years, but I think that'll go ahead um, prelim week this year, so I'll have to get back to Melbourne just yeah. to see the Saints boys. That one, absolutely, mate. Good, good you've still got those connections and camaraderie, you know. So with regards to moving on and, and obviously playing out you know, the days at the Saints, did you did you experience any any challenges like with your mental health yourself, or did you observe um, much around you? You know, with, throughout that that period, or you know, much within your career. Oh well, two two questions there. Yes and yes. With yeah. myself, um, definitely. I mean, there's there's not many jobs out there that you get to the age of thirty and you know you're done. You know, whereas. You know, unless you're an exceptional player, you play till you're 35. But mm. there's not many jobs out there. Most jobs, when you get to 30, you're getting job promotions. You're coming into your, you're being more experienced. Your manager roles. Whereas when you're an elite athlete, especially in the AFL, when you get to 30, that's the forbidden age. It's it's you're getting one year deals and you're pretty much done. Mm. So to make that and and the training that you do, the the um, you know, the adrenaline, the testosterone, all of that stuff that you're exerting every day mm. and the structure, if you're not, if you're not, as soon as footy finishes, you're not getting that high, you're not getting that fit, you're not getting that regime and structure. Mm. It's, it's um, if you don't have, and that's probably one thing I've struggled with and since then I've launched a, um, I've launched a business with my, my partner, but business still isn't at times overly structured. So I've really, really missed that. So personally, Things like stress, anxiety, and all that. Yeah, it's. I meditate. I meditate most days. I got meditation from back in the St Kilda days. We started doing meditation. Right. Um, 
I, I try and do yoga as well, but meditation I'm, I'm a big one on. And and then so that's me, mate. And then um, have I observed it from from people I know and teammates? Yeah, sadly, there's there's some blokes that I've played with that some aren't going um, some aren't going too well. You need to reach out to them as much as you can, and mm. everyone's got their everyone's got their issues and, and, and problems in their own life. But you you throw you know you throw COVID into that as well. Yeah, I've definitely observed mm. guys that struggle post their careers. Yeah, mate. Well said. Um, interesting. Um, uh, you know, there's been a few guys that have spoken about, you know, if they line <laughs> 10 of their best, uh, you know, footballing mates up, eight of them would be struggling, you know, uh, with with various things. Um, you know, and we talked about Heath before, and I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning this, but he says, like, Every Saturday, his adrenaline just gets turned on, you know. Um, he's just wired to do that. So he he gets yep. to the gym early in the morning and, you know, gets a lot of the juice out of the body primarily. But, um, um, but yeah, it's a very intense part of your life if you're coming in as a 17-year-old and you're leaving as a 30-year-old and then you're going into, um, into the unknown, you know. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good analogy to be able to see it as a mainstream individual because... Yeah, you've probably done your apprenticeship by the time you're 30, then you're going into these uh, more structured career paths that, um, that can sustain you, you know, for, for long times. But um, when, you, when you sort of come out of a football environment or, a, you know, a professional sporting environment, uh, it's probably better now than what it was, a transitional process. But primarily, um, uh, you know, a lot of guys come out with a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, to, to go into a such a you know geez you think about your experience as a 17 year old coming out of school going to schoolies and then going and doing this uh this boot camp hardcore for three days you know um you didn't really have much time to uh, to get to know yourself you know as uh, as farron ray um you know you farron ray the football but to actually get you know, to know yourself as an individual is another thing and you know you become attached to identities and those sorts of things and that can really uh, be be cancerous for for us as, as men because we actually you know think we're 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 something or someone but we don't actually really know much about uh, what goes on um, within our bodies and minds to be able to sort of harmonise and stabilise that and it's good really good to hear that you do some meditation to to self regulate I think it's you know really important in modern life to be able to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Meditation's a, a, a wonderful tool. Throughout my footy career, probably the last sort of six or seven years, I probably got onto it. Middle of my career, maybe two thirds through my career. But um, and I I now use that um, these days as well. But it's it's <clears throat> it's a tough one playing footy. If you play a long career, you know there's different opinions out there on this. I've got a couple of opinions. But football clubs, AFL clubs. They provide such a good environment. This is just my opinion. They provide such a good environment, and I and I think the AFLPA, the Players Association, they do a pretty good job in supporting players these days. You know, there's a day off, mm. there's another couple of half days off throughout the week for you to study, for you to focus on stuff outside of footy, and then and then the the process and the support they give you post your career, I think, is is pretty good now. As a player, you've got to be proactive and look at something else and have an interest outside of footy. Otherwise, otherwise you're gonna uh, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So I've played with guys that you know some may not have been overly proactive on their days off. Well, Mm. are they the ones that sometimes struggle post footy? 
yes, no, sometimes. So, um, yeah, you've just got to be proactive and, and you've got to have something else that you that you care about, no matter what it is, who cares? And then there's the, there's the other thing of, you know, football has got big egos. Mm. So, you know, yeah, some of them aren't willing to start again, so they might try and hang on to, you know, I want to just stay in the footy industry, or I want to do this, or I want to do that, whereas sometimes you've got to, you know, with a, with a business or a completely different career, you've got to start again, and that's hard for people. So, yeah. Um, and then on, on to which is something you specialise in, and, and men in general, I've, I've had a good think about this, and men don't connect as much as women do, though. They don't, hey, you going, mate? It's very... It's pretty the, – the chat between me and my mates, especially footy boys, mm. when you catch up, is pretty superficial. You don't really yeah. you don't really dig into too many layers. So you'll have a catch-up with the boys. I'll come home to the missus and Bianca will ask me, oh, how's so-and-so? What's they doing? I'm like, um, well, we didn't really chat about that. <laughs> yeah, so yes, yeah, yeah. men can always get better at that stuff. Yeah, agree, mate, and and more said again, and you know that that is my 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 passion because I'm no Ross Lyon, but I've managed uh, guys all my life, you know, and I've seen I've seen all different types of personalities, all different types of um, behaviours, uh, you know, egos, all those types of things, and one thing that doesn't discriminate is is that 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 vulnerability, you know, to be able to actually help guys um you know be be open enough to talk about their stuff whether it be good or bad is 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 something that's been blocked within us and um it's a really important tool you know it's part of our toolkit to be able to utilize this and if you're going if you're going great you know uh all the time it doesn't need to be pulled out but you know occasionally it does and um that's when you can grow otherwise you know we seem to be able to uh, put that into the back pocket really quickly and, and, and mask it up with uh, with overeating or over drinking or whatever it might be, you know. And um, society doesn't really um, uh, discriminate or, or distract us from that. Like it really uh, really encourages us to overconsume, you know. So we do get confused. And I just yep. think you know to be able to manage your nervous system like what you're doing is really important. So you can have that awareness to see where your emotions are at. I call it. Um, emotional consciousness primarily just to actually see you know where behavior is coming from where it's gravitating to and be able to go with it or arrest it if you need to and um that's that's the type of stuff i guess we need to be smarter around moving forward because you know society's changed our life's changed a lot you know since you were a young fella you know the way the world's been stimulated and it's going to continue to be stimulated we need to be putting the right food into our bodies, but also having the right um, the right uh, information go in between our ears too, which can help us be balanced, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the thing with these days, it used to be tough one these days with young kids coming through with social media and, um, you know, social media, I think, is it, it's a useful tool and it, it's got great things about it, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff to it as well. So, mm. um, you know... Throughout playing, when when I when I played, if I had to go out there with a clear head, clear mind, if I if I complicated footy, if I had too much going on, I would not play well. I just and these days there's so much structure and um, they overcoach the game. There's a thousand coaches on one team. Mm. Um, yeah, they're all trying to justify their job and they 
they, they're all telling the players. And if you're a young player, you're a sponge and you're taking in all this information, it becomes complicated. So I did, I did some coaching at Wesley College um, down in Melbourne, one of the private schools down there. And one of the young players, actually, um, Charlie Dean, he just got rookie to Collingwood, which was just wonderful. I was so wrapped for him. But he was, he was the year or two before COVID actually hurt things as well, which was unfortunate. But he was the school captain and he was the footy captain. Um, and he was, by the end of the year, he was burnt out because he yeah. was playing. He was playing rep footy. He was playing school footy. Um, he was school captain. He was playing crickets. And he was just burnt out. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're right. Society is different these days. And, um, you know, kids kids have a lot going on. But, uh, yeah, men can always get can always get better at sort of those things. Well, back in the day, mate, you know, when we were Charlie's age, we'd go home and we'd go to bed. But now they're taking a phone with them. And, uh, and they're looking at that till God, God knows what, what time, you know. So... So the, the, the nervous system gets really thrown out of whack and then he's got to go and perform. And, you know, when you're on all the time, sometimes you, you, uh, you do get a kick in the ass, and, uh, and that kick in the ass can come physically and mentally through disease, you know. So this is where depression and anxiety and that starts to flare up. And um, we need to address where the cause is coming from rather than masking it up a lot of the time. And, um, you know, it's probably a good uh, exercise for that young fellow to actually go through that experience now so he can be more aware moving forward and hopefully he will be. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's why meditation is such a, such a wonderful tool that teaches you to be in the, in the present. Me, I was never, when, you, when, you, when I was playing well, I wasn't thinking about the mistake I made mm. or I wasn't thinking about what's going to happen at quarter time if the coach is going to spray me. I just, yeah. and then when... When I when I and I got this through, um, De, uh, De, I'm going to say Dean Laidley. He was my midfield coach at the time. He's, I need to say he's obviously now changed to, to Danny Laidley. Yeah. But um, yeah. Tunnel, I'll just I'll just talk about Tunnel. That was the the nickname that I had for, for Dean back in the day. Um, yeah. And uh, we worked on um, this this um, at the game. Um, you know, whenever I was drifting mentally and all that, I would just say to myself. At the game, just go at the game, at the game, at the game, and I just had a mental cue mm. to stay in the now, and that's what that's why meditation is such a wonderful tool. It just mm. teaches you to stay in in the, in the present, which is what we're not in much these days. Mm, well said, mate. But also, I think your diet uh, can have a lot to do with your mental health, and I know that's something you're pretty passionate about, and you've been able to sort of make a career out of um, trying to provide good food. Can you tell us a bit about that? <coughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, well, thanks to my wonderful, my wonderful uh, fiance and, and partner, business partner now as well. She Bianca created a, um, a, a snack range, a cauliflower based cracker range. We have dips, and then we do a, a whole cauliflower roast. We sort of sell that at farmers markets and a couple of stores. But our main products are, are dips and crackers. We've heroed uh, the wonderful humble vegetable cauliflower. We um, mm. reason being. Bianca, type 1 diabetic, she's had to substitute a lot of unhealthier, starchier foods, so she found cauliflower, a wonderful replacement for that, and then, um, you know, she was eating that for years and, and, and that, and then we just stumbled upon it and figured out how versatile it was, so we were, you know, making cauliflower rice and cauliflower mash and, mm. um, you know, cauliflower back in the day was steamed and boiled and everyone <laughs> thought it was soggy, well, now these days they're... They're roasting it and they're they're ricing it. They're turning it into flour, and it's just so just a beautiful, humble vegetable, really. So we just sort of tapped into that, and 
thanks to Bianca, she's she's got a good 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 background. She's got comes from a good family that are a bunch of creatives and and all that. She's 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 made the range, and I'm the one that's sort of got it out there and the foot soldier on the on the ground. And yeah, we've yeah. we've got into a whole bunch of stores now. We just expanded into your state, actually Queensland. We sent some stock up there, and Perth next week we're going to be stocked in. Good work, mate. If there's anything I can do to get it to Agnes Water, I will because we, <laughs> yeah, we get have, out and buy it if you can. <laughs> well, definitely, we have uh, we have um, uh, a good supermarket here that that stocks healthy stuff. You know, it's not just the mainstream. Yep. So I just think you know, for a lot of people listening out there, you know, to make the choices of what's going into your body and understanding how your body can react to a certain product um, can can do do wonders for us physically but obviously mentally as well and oh, I just I understand uh, you know what you guys are doing and and you know really really I'm grateful that you're actually like doing something which is probably more feminine than masculine you know to be able to tap into something like this which um, is not only supporting your partner but actually like helping guys uh, uh, appreciate um, you know a product which is not mainstream. It's not you know bangers and mash and uh, and, and the, the the normal stuff. It's it's actually something which is um, a little bit unique, but also really nice to eat, mate. So um, yeah, I hope a few people can maybe maybe look it up. What's the website called? So the the website's curiously collie. So curiously yeah. um, That's our brand name, curiously collie, and it's we've got collie crackers. We have Collie dips, and then we do a, a cauliflower roast. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, yeah, no, certainly it's not the it's not the standard business that a lot of the boys, a lot of my mate can't even spell the word business, <laughs> let alone launch one. But yeah. you know, it's the most. A lot of footballers launch restaurants or pubs and and all that. But um, you know, to have an impact these days, you got to be you got to launch something a bit different. But no, thanks to thanks to Bianca, she created it, and I'm the one that sort of got it out there. Yeah, riding on the coattails. But uh, a few boys haven't haven't put shit on you about it. Oh, no, early well, early days <laughs> definitely. What you doing? You doing cauliflower? What are you What are you talking about? And then they've sort of they've sort of uh, shut up now because it's. Uh, I think they've seen that the product's good enough. It's you know pretty good, and it's in a whole bunch of stores. So I don't yeah. I don't cop too much flack these days from the boys. I think they're all pretty pretty supportive of it. But you know you get the odd. You get the odd comment, but I think they're sort of like, oh, this this is actually pretty good. So. Yeah, that's it, mate. And it's, just, it's like quinoa. Quinoa was weird 15 years ago, but now everyone eats it and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, so, mate, I was thinking about it before. Like, you know, there's there's literally hundreds of different fruits out there, or thousands possibly, but we narrow it down to maybe a dozen, um, you know, and it's like what you're doing. It's probably a more of a mainstream uh, product, but it's actually uh, being able to diversify with it, which I think is you know tremendous, and, and that creativity I think will only continue to uh, expand. And I know there's lots of women that listen to this too. So, uh, mate, if it's getting around uh, Australia, um, I really encourage people to check it out because it sounds like it's a, a healthy option. So, good on you. Yeah, no, no, thank you. We've we did we've done a lot of lot of hard work on it, and we're trying to trying to make a. A, uh, a round wafer crisp with with fifty percent of it vegetable in terms of cauliflower was 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 very very hard. And when you got contract manufacturers, they're sort of programmed a certain way to just make it this way. So trying to get a whole bunch of vegetable in there was was tough. But we ended up getting there. Yeah, good work, mate. 
Look, uh, really appreciate the uh, the chat, Farron, and um, yeah, really, uh, really thank you for being so open and honest about your own journey and, and what you're doing now to keep yourself, you know, physically and mentally well. And um, I hope uh, hope this year will be uh, will be a transformational one. I know you've been flooded out a couple of times in Sydney, so I hope it doesn't happen th- three times. And uh, you can get back to Melbourne safe and sound uh, at the end of the year if you choose to. So, and if you're up in Queensland, I hope you'll get to, to catch up with you at some stage. Yeah, beautiful. Love to. It looks like you're living in a good area up there. So, um, yeah, we're, we'll be here to the end of the year. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, appreciate it.